Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the 442 Podcast. I'm James Brown, Editor-in-Chief. Today I'm joined by former QPR leads and Palace midfielder Sean Derry. Right, Sean? Very well, nice yeah. To see you. Great to be here. Cheers. There's more clubs in that list, isn't there? There is, yeah, yeah. There is more. Fill the list. Notts County, yeah. uh, my hometown club. Uh, played my first game for them on, on, on my 10th birthday. Um, left at 20 and went to Sheffield United. Yeah. Then had a massive argument with Neil Warnock and he sent me as far as he could um, away to Portsmouth. Yeah. So I had a couple of years at Portsmouth, up to Palace. Went to Leeds via Nottingham Forest on loan. Back to Palace again. You QPR ended at Millwall. You should have been a travel writer. Well, do you know what? I never wanted to stay in a, one place. I really didn't. I didn't okay. want to stay in one place. I, I, I never wanted to, to be one of them players that had a testimonial. Okay. Want to go and see a few sites, nice. and I did. Somebody who deserves a testimonial. He's written or commissioned 30 pages of the latest issue of 442. It's Chris Flanagan who's sitting alongside Sean. All right, Chris. Morning. Yeah, you okay? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. This is your second podcast you did with us, your second booking. Uh, yes, yeah. Did you get the money for the first one? No, it's not come through yet. <laughs> so look, before we talk to you more in depth, Sean, about uh, what the summer months are like for a player, uh, from a uh, from a player and a manager's perspective, let's just have a little chat about some of the things that's going on in football this week. Can I just ask you, you played against... The, did you play against Lampard ever? Yeah, yeah. I'd wanna... Do you think he'll make a good Chelsea manager? I do. And I, and I say that on the basis of, as a, as a player, he was, um, you know, his leadership qualities were in- incredibly outstanding. They really were. You talk about John Terry being the leader of Chelsea, but he, he didn't do that on his own. You know, he was obviously a centre-half and Lampard was the midfielder who kind of just drifted around the pitch and you always knew when you played against him, that he was a top communicator. Mm-hmm. And I found that of late, um, presently um, spending time up at St. George's Park on a pro license and privileged to say that Frank Lampard and Jody Morris are in the same group yeah. as, as what we are. So I've seen what he's like, you know, from a, a leadership angle as well. And he's, I think he's outstanding. I really do. Okay. And what about Jody Morris? Because Chelsea fans know him as a player, but he's been behind the scenes, hasn't he? Working with the youth there. He's yeah. he's really highly rated, isn't he? He is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much so that you know you they come as a pair. I mean, I look at them both as a pair and see okay. obviously the you know the tag of the manager, the head coach, Chelsea legendary status belongs to Frank. Yeah, 
but he respects Jody so much that he probably recognises that he can't do the job without Jody Morris. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, Chris, what's your take on Lampard to uh, Chelsea, if that happens? I think it'd be interesting how he works out because, I mean, it's actually... Chelsea haven't gone down this route too often in recent times. They generally will, will bring in an establishment. Di Yeah, but that, even that was only an interim. Yeah. Boss. It was sort of by accident, really. They've not necessarily gone and got a, a legend or an inexperienced manager for a long time. So in a way, we don't really know how it's going to go. It could it could be brilliant. I mean, obviously, there's no doubt that the fans are going to be well behind him and that'll, that'll certainly help. Um, but yeah, it's... It's it's one of the biggest kind of unknowns. What do you Chelsea think? Did you see Derby last year? I mean, you support Bolton. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, I I saw them play against Bolton, and they they absolutely battered us. And I think it could. I think Lampard said after that game, it could have been ten, and it really could have been. Um, I mean, I, I was I was impressed with what he did at Derby because they cut the budget, which is why Gary Rowett left the summer beforehand. Yeah, and then obviously they end up getting further than Derby had done in the season before, and anyway by getting to the final. So I think he did a pretty good job there. See, I disagree. I think that when when we went to the uh, first leg, Leeds dispatched both times in the in in the league, and when we went to the playoff first match at Pride Park, I was really shocked when I saw the team because I'd heard all this stuff about young players: Nugent, Carson, Bradley Johnson, who you played with, I think, at Leeds. Uh, there was who else was there? Um, Huddleston. It was a very very experienced, well paid team there that level of player you know m most championship teams don't have four or five ex premier league players i think that was probably one of the reasons why frank went into derby county is you know he had a, a remit to use better words but to get rid of these higher end high earning players and you can't get rid of them all the okay. players always hold the power of course, when you sign a four or five year yeah. deal and you're earning X amount of pounds, unless somebody's going to match that, then the likelihood is you're going to stay and sit around on your contract. Now, how do you maximise that? You've got to use them to a certain degree. I think the case for this and Frank Lampard is how many managers, top, top managers with massive amount of experience want the Chelsea job knowing that you can't sign players mm. because you're always going to get judged on the, you know, the, out, the output which is where you finish on the, in the is league. Is that a definite then? If somebody hasn't followed it too closely, are they definitely banned from signing They're, they're trying to appeal, um, but whether they'll be successful in that, we don't know yet. Because I would have thought, having seen a, a fair few of the Chelsea uh, youth players loaned out into the Championship over the last few years, that it's probably the best thing for them in terms of rebuilding the club. Possibly. I mean, it, it, for for next season, it's certainly not the best thing for him, but it may be in two, three years' time. I mean, the, 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 the big case in point is Tammy Abraham. Yeah. We've seen him now go to Bristol City and Aston Villa in the, in the Championship and do really well. Obviously, at Swansea, not, not quite. He started off well, didn't didn't continue that for the whole season. But if, you know, if ever there's a player that maybe deserves a chance at Chelsea, it's someone like him. Obviously, that would never have happened before. Maybe no. with an embargo, now it might happen. And then it's, you know, what, what someone like Tommy makes of that. Well, talking about players, Sean, can you just, can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like for a player and a manager in this period? Because as a fan, I mean, I, I've never done this before, but I was thinking of muting the, the phrase Leeds United on my Twitter account. I'm sure there's lots of other fans of other clubs that do that, but because the kind of fury and the fear and the... The, the hope around who's going, who's staying, it just drives you mad. What's it actually like, first of all, being 
somebody who's an employee, essentially, and who, who, who could be moving house and the rest of it and moving clubs. And then secondly, what's it like as a manager? Very, very different. I've got to say, obviously, you know, coming from right at the end of my, end of my career, spending time at, um, at Millwall. But prior to spending time at Millwall, coming out, I still had a year left of my contract at QPR. Now, the difference is being an out-of-contract player to being an in-contract player. Yeah. When you're an out-of-contract player, what a worrying summer. It doesn't matter. Take away the top percentage of yeah, you know, yeah. the top, f- top-end f- professional footballers who are going to be courted by a lot of top clubs. If you're a mid-range or you know you're an older player sometimes yeah. and you find yourself out of contract, that's a worrying time. You've got to think about your responsibilities at home. Mortgages, kids future where we're going to live is that really the case because we hear that players earn so much but but we normally we normally hear about the top players don't we of course everything is revolved around the elite everyone wants to hear about what does the ronaldo's what do the messies what do you know all these top players what do they do every day well what about what do the other lads do what about you know the mid-range premier league players or let's talk about the league two players you know the ones that are perhaps Mm. not earning as much as perhaps people in this building yeah yeah Now, not everybody earns 20 grand a week. So that is a really, really worrying place to be. Now, being a manager and having to deal with that, telling somebody, listen, mate, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be signed next year. And seeing them actually, I've had players cry in front of me. And it's the worst feeling you could ever, ever. Young players. Young players, senior players. You know, there's situations that, None of these courses get you, you know, you, you don't do a course on how to get rid of a player. You know, it's all about the emotional they side don't, of it. don't, really, not. No, no, it's not, you know. And, and I've enjoyed my courses, but I've got to say there's been certain situations that have took place in the last six years that are not even a pro license could get you ready for. What like? I had a situation at Notts County where, and this is, uh, I, do you know, I've never spoke about this. I was in the job... Two weeks, didn't understand the role at all. I'm not, you know, not embarrassed to say that. I didn't, you know, Notts County took a gamble on me and I took yeah. a gamble on them at the same time. But two weeks into the job, um, we had a under 23 group at that time. And Nottingham, Notts County, major city, um, good football club in there. Two lads in the under 23s. One of them was part of a gang. And the other lad was part of a different gang and they were sharing the same dressing room, the same training pitch. And then at night being literally at war with each other and a situation took place between both players. And I won't mention both the names, but two players, differing gangs situation. I had to deal with it as a 35 year old manager. I didn't go, I I didn't learn that on my B license or my A license. That's Mm. for sure. So, how was that resolved? It was resolved by we had to get HR involved, and we had to try and bring. You know, the parents weren't prevalent in both their, you know, yeah. in, in both their um, families, and we had to. Sadly, we had to get rid of both players at the right time, and that's a difficult situation. You know, Were they good players. They had a chance. Yeah, they had a chance. They had a chance, but it was outside situations that. Stop mm. them from being a professional footballer. Now, that's an extreme case. Yeah. But flip it onto what we're talking about in terms of being out of contract. 
Yeah, difficult situations to take care of. And it, it, it's worrying for a young player now when you know, especially Leagues 1 and Leagues 2, when you're only signing one-year deals. Well, what I, wanted, what I was wondering was, uh, there's a great book about Notts County called Stake Diana Ross, written by, written by a guy in... A, he was a student and he got picked up. I mean, it was pre the academy system. He got picked up in Notts County and then they somehow got promoted from Division 2 to the old Division 1, which is the Premier League now. I think his name is David Thomas. He writes for the Times. It's a brilliant book, but in the summer, they got like a retainer of something like a tenner a week, and which was a lot less than the earned for players. And and him and the uh, the centre four got jobs selling eggs. Mm. It was like they were... It, it's a fascinating insight. Do players ever now consider investing money outside, learning a skill that's not football-related? Are they encouraged to? Yeah. Because obviously you've had success as, as, as a manager and assistant manager and you, you had a very successful playing career, but a lot of them don't. How many of them are actually thinking, oh, is there something I can do outside of here? Well, I've got to say, when I went into Cambridge United, I was pleasantly surprised by the amount of people doing courses, you know, looking yeah. to the future. You know, there was more than five or six who really were really interested in something slightly okay. different to just football. Um, but were they football related or no okay. no they weren't no you know there was there was open people doing open degrees and you know it was it was fantastic to see them on a bus three or four of them with a book open at the back rather than just watching a, a film on an ipad or you know yeah. listening to music did, did that make did that did that make you think more of them as players yeah it did not actually. as people but as players did it make you think okay you can take on more yeah there was one lad there called harrison dunk who's a left left back stroke left winger yeah. and um, really intelligent guy. You know, he's got a good background in terms of his education and he showed his intelligence as a footballer as well. Yeah. And I always looked at Harrison Duncan, looked upon him as a pretty reliable guy, yeah. you know, as a guy and as a player as well. And you, know, you make your mind up in different ways, don't you, about people? Yeah. You know, people's strengths come out in different ways. Do you make of all this? Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your your club is is it in administration? Uh, well, it is, but hopefully um, there's going to be a new owner very very shortly now. Um, something's been agreed with the administrators for, okay. a, for a consortium. So hopefully, what's it feel now. like? I mean, I know because Le- Leeds have been through that uh, sadly. But what's it feeling like for you, Bolton fans, at the moment? Thinking, is it going to be a team? Is there, is it going to be just youth players? What? Yeah, well, it's certainly for the last few weeks it has been like that. So now, now there's a possibility of an owner. It's starting to get fans are starting to get a bit more hopeful. But yeah, the fact that we didn't, I mean, I think we've got six senior players for next season, of which two have got two are goalkeepers. Um, the manager didn't know. You know, it's, it's been Phil Parkinson. But was that going to continue? No one, no one knew. So you think he should continue because. Um, I'm more in favour. I think most fans don't want him to continue just because of the style of player and obviously the relegation. Okay. But we're I good think, against Leeds. Yeah, at Ellen, Ellen Road. Yeah, we did. That was one of our better games. But yeah, it, it's, it certainly hasn't been good this season. But I mean, the the, the only thing I, that I sort of thought was when they were in the League One last time, he got them promoted out of League One, and he's actually quite he's a very very good League One manager. Um, but I think unfortunately his style of play, the, there's a big disconnect yeah. between him and the fans now, and it's. Sean, what's the worst you've ever seen a colleague or uh, like a teammate or, or, or somebody who's playing for you show up for pre-season physically? Did you play with yeah, Lee Trundle? I didn't, know, but... 
I heard stories of Lee. Yeah. I did. And talent is... <laughs> no to doubt. have talent is just brilliant. But you need more than that. You need yeah. a mentality to go with it. And Lee will probably say, you know, that's probably what let him down in his career. When I was at Notts County, there was two of us. There was myself and a, a centre-half called Matt Redmile. And he's a, you know, he was a pal of mine. So, yeah. you know, I'm not speaking out of turn here. I was linked with two or three clubs as a 20-year-old. He was a year older than me. And he yeah. was linked strongly with Middlesbrough at the time. And um, to, I mean, I, I ended up going to Sheffield United for a lot of money back then. And yeah. Matt was actually talked about going for more money than me. So we, you know, we, we were playing for Notts County, two young players, went into the end of the season. And I... My mentality just switched on straight away. I've got to keep myself fit and I've got to start the season really well next year. Matt come back probably two and a half stone heavier than leaving the previous season. And his chance of being a professional footballer right at the very top where Middlesbrough was sat at that moment in time just left him within six weeks. Amazing. His diet, his lifestyle, everything the decisions that he made, and I'm sure Matt now as a 42-year-old man would look back and say that was his biggest regret in his in his you know his, what, in his life. What about further on in your career when you're playing at Leipzig, Leeds, QPR, you've established Crystal Palace? Was it ever comical how somebody would show up? It was. Did it cause amusement? Oh God, absolutely. I mean, the general consensus when I was playing was two and a half weeks. Let your air down. Don't touch the gym. Let your body recover. You know, yeah. Go and have your beers. Keep out the, you know, keep out of sport altogether. And then gradually you get yourself back. Just two and a half weeks off. Just two and a half weeks off. And that's how I lived my yeah. close season. I think some of the lads probably left it to two and a half days coming back for pre season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had certain players, all them football clubs that you've mentioned, that you just knew. They've not done a stitch for them seven weeks out of out of you know playing football. Who? <laughs> Neil Shipley um, got was one. Yeah, Ships was Ships right. Ships was one of the first guys who had one of these. Po I've got a watch on now, a polar watch. Yeah. So obviously it measures you know all the steps and you know everything. It, unbelievable watches. And honestly, this is a true story. So we train at Crystal Palace and about 75, 80% into the session, you'd hear a beeping watch and it would be Ships' watch telling him that he's burnt off a thousand calories <laughs> in the session and Ships would literally stand and do nothing else in the whole session and I'd go, Ships, what are you doing, mate? You know, training's yeah. carrying on. He went, oh, no, no, thousand calories. That's fine for me. That means I can have me four cans of um, lager on the train <laughs> home and I can have me Indian tonight. <laughs> and that was Neil Shipley. Absolutely classic. That's Neil Shipley. We've actually got a picture of him in the quiz this month, which gives away one of the questions if, you, if you've not done it yet. And he, the question is, which Premier League footballer was this? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But um, talking about um, the managers that you played for, who were the most influential for you, not just when you were playing, but what you've taken away from it as, you, as you've moved into management? Well, people will talk about mine and Neil Warnock's relationships. Obviously, you know, yeah. played under him at Sheffield United, Crystal Palace and QPR. And, you know, the respect that I have for Neil and probably, you know, vice versa, we we, we really done our jobs together. You know, yeah. he, he trusted me and I trusted him. Okay. And what about, um, are there any managers that you really wanted to, chin or any no <laughs> no well you can answer that if you want but it was the what i'm thinking is you're in the summer you, you your contract's coming to the end or you've heard rumors that people you know your club are prepared to listen to offers uh, has there been anyone that you've really wanted to play for and maybe it's been a possibility yeah and then it's question. not happened yeah so when i'm um, 2010 and crystal palace um, yeah obviously had that struggle and we ended up drawing against sheffield wednesday club thankfully managed to stay um, as a football club. And I was out of contract at that in that summer. And nobody was discussing any kind of extensions. So I was free to speak to others. I didn't want to go anywhere. I wanted to stay at Crystal Palace. And um, I got a phone call off Roy Keane whilst he was Ipswich manager. Yeah. Now, Roy Keane is a true hero of mine. You know, As a player. As a player. Yeah. yeah. I just thought he was just the best midfielder, you know, growing up and being a young player. So... I went down to Ipswich's training ground and met him, met him for an hour. And it was funny because I had a Range Rover at the time, but the night before I'd parked it under this massive tree where I lived. Okay. And birds had shit on all, all over the roof and all over the, um, okay. over the bonnet. So I said to, I said to my wife, Jolene, I said, listen, I have to take your car and she had a little golf. So I traveled down to Ipswich in this golf, parked up outside Went into his office and his secretary called me in and Roy was sat there. It was a you know, pretty big office, not an awful lot in there, just this fridge in the corner and Roy was sat there and my heart's going because it's was a he, hero of Was mine. he in tracksuit, in suits? He was in a he was kind of in a tracksuit. Okay. And um so he looked at me and as Roy often does, he catches your eye and it gave me this glare. And I thought, What's what is the first words he's gonna say to me? And he went I'm glad you've not got one of them big Range Rovers. <laughs> he said, I'm sick and tired of seeing players arrive with Range Rovers in the championship. He said, I love it that you've got a golf. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> you don't want to see what's on the drive at home, mate. 
and, and that but we was... had the best hour, James. Really? Honestly, it it was probably. I'd love to sit here and talk about the hour that we had because, again, what a guy! Did he what know your career, despite having played at the level above? Was he familiar with you, or was already become familiar when you'd become a manager in the with Sunderland? And, and he, he knew exactly the types of players that. He, he was in the market for. Yeah. He knew he weren't getting top Premier League footballers. He knew he was shopping in a different supermarket. And why didn't supermarket. that work out? It didn't work out because at that moment in time, I was 32 and I wanted a two-year deal. And um, initially, he promised me a two-year deal. Yeah. And we'd agreed a, a package on a, of a two-year deal. And Marcus Evans... Did you do that yourself or did you have an agent? Well, I had an agent, but I went and spoke on behalf of myself. Yeah. Um, and the agent, you know, respected me as a 32-year-old yeah, footballer yeah. who kind of knew what he wanted to allow me to go down on my own. Um, but he knew exactly what he wanted at that football club at the time. And he promised me, he promised me this two-year deal. And unfortunately, Marcus Evans, the, the chairman of Ipswich, couldn't agree to the two-year deal. He didn't want a 32-year-old signing two years. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. When and QPR think, offered think, me two years. When you think about players like Gorn Strachan, Teddy Sheringham, just players who went on and on and on. It's just nuts, this idea. I was a fit 32-year-old Yeah, you were well. always very energetic yeah. player. Yeah. So that was a... I was, you, I was gutted. What's that, sorry? How old are you? How old am I? 35. Yeah, you, you want to look after yourself a bit. <laughs> my, my playing days ended about 10 years ago, I'm afraid. <laughs> so go on, tell us a bit more about that, that meeting. You know, on the grapevine, you'd heard rumours of Roy's management style. And spiky was obviously a term, mm. you know, kind of a, a term that was used a lot about him. But I wanted that. I, 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 I thought that I would have been very good for Ipswich yeah. and for him at that moment in time because he wanted a certain type of player and that was what I was as a 32-year-old. As a mm. But, as history will prove, I went to QPR and had a wonderful three years there, an unbelievable three years there. Did you play it. with Barton there? Yeah, played with Joey. How yeah. was that? Really, really good. Enjoyed. He's still a pal now. You yeah. know, we've got We've actually got a, a WhatsApp discussion on this Heidi Helgerson on it Jamie Mackey me Clint Hill Joey Bradley Orr you know what, we had what, what good you group about QBR what are you looking at there uh, I'm looking at the phone because do you know what? I can't even lift it because I know that there'll be some ridiculous message on the front of that phone and it'll be from one of them and uh, so I always put it the other way because it's yeah one of them and what's, what's your impression of, of him becoming a manager and how, he, how he's doing <clears throat> I think he's had a great season I think he's done really well it's difficult league one um, yeah. and it's a difficult football club to manage in um, in Fleetwood you know yeah. a smaller football club at League One as well yeah. but the profile that him and Clint's got Clint Hill being his assistant manager you know has obviously got a lot of expectation running through people's wishes up in you know in, in a small place yeah. near Blackpool now I think he's done really well I think it's a really hard job completely different to playing it took me, it took me probably two years to get my head around what management was. I remember you what, telling what, me what before that just losing to, uh, I think when you were at Cambridge, you lost, you'd done, you'd done really well, and you'd lost two loans because they couldn't get afford to keep, and it just changed the whole thing. Absolutely, that the, the margins were that fine. Yeah, 
The margins between, let me tell you, the margins between a loan player that you pay five hundred pound a month, that you know, a week for, yeah, and a loan player at seven hundred and fifty pound a week for, that can be the distant difference between four, five, six, ten places. And no, because that's where the, they were the cards that were dealt with me at Notts County mm-hmm. and at Cambridge. You know, you 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 are fishing in a different waters. You are. It's mm. difficult. But Joe, going back to Joe, I think. You know, listen, Joe's one of these guys, and you you either love him or you absolutely hate him. And I love him. That's interesting. His book's good. I read his book. Michael Calvin wrote it. Yeah. Read that earlier this year. Okay, look, we've got just, uh, before we move on, we have a couple of stories from the latest issue of the magazine. Here's Tanya Snugs with the top five stories from the 442 website. At five, Ada Hagerberg, why the world's best female footballer won't be playing at the Women's World Cup. At number four, can you name the 30 highest transfers out of the Premier League? We look at the five players Arsenal should sell at number three. At two, we make nine bold transfer predictions that will definitely happen this summer. And the most read story on the 442 website, five areas where Liverpool can improve this summer and get to the next level. Thanks, Tanya. Um, Chris, you know, as the, the features writer on the magazine, you've got a... You know, you do put. I mean, when people read magazines or websites, ever, I think they just. I don't think they ever consider what goes into making it. Where I live, people leave magazines out in the street. You know, they're clearing stuff out. You see a big pile of L or something like that. Drives me mad the effort that you put in to actually making it for something that might somebody might read for twenty minutes on a train and and leave it on there. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you don't do that. But you did thirty pages of the last issue and. Uh, Tell us about some of the pieces that you've got in there very quickly. Uh, yeah, so um spoke to, to JJ Kotcher. Um, what, what was that like? Obviously a hero for Yeah, you well, definitely, yeah. From from the, the peak here of, of, of following Bolton, for sure. Yeah, he was, he was a really nice guy. And I think, as soon as I mentioned I was a Bolton fan, obviously that, uh, that put him in a good mood straight away. Yeah. Um, and he was he was telling me about kind of obviously his, his happy memories of his time at the club and like driving all the way from Paris to Bolton to sign, which seems unnecessary, but apparently he just loved driving. But <laughs> you'd think he could afford a... Don't afford you a drive up there every week? I'm not quite as, as rich as JJ Kotcher, I don't think. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's... Um, and he talks about when he stayed up on the on the final day with uh, in the Premier League and, and how we were... Big Sam had promised that he'd dance with him if uh, if he if he stayed up and they were dancing on the pitch together and things like that and and how, how actually he didn't really do his research when he joined Bolton so he was, he was a bit shocked that they were actually in a relegation battle in the first place but I and probably he, where it was and, and what it was like well <laughs> although he insists he liked the place so <laughs> got a lot a lot of friends there he says and he still kind of nips back every now and then the um, to- speaking about where where people live Farrell Williams hmm. England player yeah amazing story. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the the most capped England player in history, uh, men or women. And yeah. I listened to this. This was incredible, yeah. uh, unbelievable story. Brilliant, brilliant story. Yeah. So, so yeah. Basically, um, at the start of her England career, she was homeless. She was living in a hostel, which is, you know, to to imagine that, you know, it just couldn't happen today, and and, and, right, and, and rightly so. Okay. And 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 she was when you read the interview, she was she was she was basically. Training with England or playing, yeah, and then going back to that's hospital. right. She'd, she'd had a falling out of her parents, hadn't she? Yeah, um, she was estranged from from mother at that point, and thankfully, you know, that's you know, she's yeah. she's reconciled with her mother now. But yeah, she would she'd go she'd go to play for England, 
And then you know, all the other players would go back to families and she said she'd go back to the hostel and it was like back to reality. Yeah. And she sort of felt too embarrassed to tell most of those players. Only her very close friends actually knew about this because it was just too embarrassing for her. But she was 15. Um, she was very young, yeah. I mean, this was for for quite a few years as well. This wasn't just for like six months or something. This was quite a long time. Amazing. Yeah, and to think that she continued to, to you know, to play 170 games for England from that start, um, you know, obviously had a huge, huge success with England. Um, got an MBE for for work kind of yeah. campaigning, to, you know, to help homeless people now. Um, yeah, it's it's an inspirational story and incredible, really. Now, Paul Robinson, you interviewed as well. Yes, uh, yeah. With the, you asked the questions where the readers send in questions. Yes, yeah. How, how was that? It Does, was, when you've done, you've been doing this for years, has anyone mm. ever refused to ask a reader's, answer a reader's question? Um, I think there might have been one with Tim Cale didn't want to ask, ask one about when he did the uh, the handcuff celebration. Well, I was, yeah, I could understand that. <laughs> but, now, the, the interesting thing about this Paul Robinson interview, Sean, is he, 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 he told Chris he would do it as as um I don't know I presume he hasn't done a book but for his kids mm. so his kids knew stuff about him yeah he said it was you know rather than kind of awkwardly sitting down with his kids for three hours and saying this is what I did during my career he said it was it's nice I've to got a to... confession to make I joined Spurs <laughs> <laughs> but no it's... what's your mean dad <laughs> I, I really enjoy those interviews because you can talk I left Leeds <laughs> and I joined Spurs <laughs> was it a day out. <laughs> I, so I really enjoy those interviews. You have like a, an hour, an hour and a half with someone and talk through their life. They're really relaxed. I mean, I I interviewed Paul a couple of times when I used to work in in Blackburn at the local paper there. Yeah. And you know, after a game, things are things are different. Different. It's a lot more serious. But we you can have a, sit down with someone, and he came up with great anecdotes. And he's a really nice guy, really relaxed guy. And we talked about all sorts of things. I mean, but what was the best thing he, he said to you? Um. So I mean. Quite a few things, really. I mean, we talked about obviously Leeds when they played against Barcelona and the you know against Rivaldo. Mm. That was obviously a, a big moment in his career. And about um, Lasagna Gate at Spurs when um, when Spurs obviously were going. And, for the and what was his opinion on that? Well, he he basically he, he was one of the few players who wasn't ill that day. He said he kind of got got down to the ho- uh, to the, the fo- foyer at the hotel and it was like the beginning of Saved Private Ryan. With the, all the players just all, all kind of all strewn all over the place. What did you think as a player there? Did you think that was nerves, or had they been poisoned? Or I've been in certain hotels um, as a manager and yep. questioned seriously, what is this food all about today? Because of surely the, just because of the standard. Yeah, the standard was completely horrific once we played Leighton Orient away but hold on do you mean it was the wrong hotel and the wrong kitchen or they were giving you a bad meal because you were playing their team I, I couldn't get my head around how bad this food was now take away the quality of the hotel whoever produced that food you know <laughs> has not done the job properly and we were playing Leighton Orient away for Notts County I think it might be on my ex-wife <laughs> And I ended up telling the lads, literally, put your knives and forks down and there's a Nando's around the corner. Yeah. And all the lads went and had a pre-match in Nando's. Okay. One, two, one. Nice. <laughs> Up the <laughs> pies. Nando's would be pleased with that. Well, I mean, I know there was conspiracy theories with the Spurs one about whether, you know, someone had tried to kind of put something in the meal. To, it was because there were so many of them. But I mean, Bugs yeah. 
go around mm. quick, don't they? Yeah, well, Paul Robinson said, it. I, I don't believe that conspiracy theory at all. I mean, he wasn't sure what had happened, but he didn't think it was anything deliberate. But what he also said was, you know, Michael Carrick was ill, but he, he got on with it and played. Yeah. And he, he sort of said, well, how, how ill do you have to be not to play? So I think he maybe wasn't so sympathetic to some of the players who, who didn't play that day. Okay, Sean, you mentioned uh, Orient there, and it's been a, a, a very sad week for... Uh, Justin Edinburgh's family, obviously, the fans of Ori and, and yourself, were, were, you were a close friend and a teammate with Justin Edinburgh when you were at Portsmouth. Um, what was it like to play alongside? Well, firstly, I mean, you know, the the news this week, you know, when it broke, we was in we was in America having a having our family holiday. And um, you know, when you get that call and you know, unfortunately it came from his son Charlie. And it just blew me away. I've got to say, just out of all the news, you know. And, and Were you still we, on the holiday? Or did you just arrive back? We, we was halfway through the holiday. And, um, you know, w- w- when it came through that, Justin had, you know, took a real bad turn and um, was, was in hospital. It was just, was incredible. It really was, James. And it, it knocks you. And it, and it, and it, and it jolted. It jolted mm-hmm. everybody. And as gradually as the week went on, and the amount of calls and text messages that were coming through to my phone from people who we'd played with in the past, because lads from they knew Portsmouth, how close you were as, yeah, you know, and mates. because it's always very difficult, isn't it, to you know to contact the family, you know, yeah, res- you have re- got to be respectful in terms of where they are um, with with the news of what's happened. So I was getting a, a number of calls, and the shock. The shock of his pals and you know previous people who had played alongside. It's I think this has rocked everyone. This is the one bit of news over the course of all the time I've been in football where it's just shocked me to the core. I can't believe what's happened, and him as a person. We all remember him, you know, being involved at. Tottenham Hotspur for 10 he played for Tottenham for 10 years he was a fullback for Tottenham for 10 years he played in the Premier League to play in the Premier League for one minute you've got to be a decent player he played there for 10 years Mm -hmm. and I think you know on the basis of what's took place this last week you know and all these incredible messages that you read and you listen to don't realise how well respected he was as a a Mm. player just as a footballer but as a man you he, went, he you went over to man. the um, Orient yesterday, you said. Yeah. What, what's the scene like there? It's sombre. It's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really is. It's, you know, Leighton Orient as a football club and, a, and, a, and, and an ownership, the owners at Leighton Orient have been fantastic. They really mm. have. And, you know, talking to Martin Ling yesterday, who's the, the director of football there, you know, he, he, he can't believe that this shining light that has led this football club for 18 months is is not going to be there no more. And when you see it from kind of, you know, the tightness of the family and the impact that it's had on his wife and children, and then you go into a different environment and you see what the impact is like on the football club, it's it's amazing. It's just... there's no, there is no words. There's no words to describe what's happened. It's tragic. It's tragic. But what I will say, 
on the back of what's been a truly horrific week, what's been a, a completely horrific week for everybody connected with Justin and his family, the legacy that is going to leave right. at that football club. They have been, Leighton Orient have been such a, it's been a club that's been on its knees. Mm. It's been on its knees, and we, we we heard about the previous owners, the uh, the, the Italian owners, yeah. and the shambles of that football club at that moment in time. This last eighteen months has just been like a breath of fresh air, and it's been led by the leader. Mm. The leader of that football club has given them now hope and brightness going forward. And you'd, you'd imagine that, in the same way as Chris Coleman built on what Gary Speed did with Wales, that whoever comes in. There's just, there's just a, the fans' will to do well. Will I imagine drive them on? Well, it's going to be a force, isn't it? You know, with again, you know, did Gary... anyone would you would you think about do it? You know, applying for that job yourself, or is that not something? I I, I couldn't I, I couldn't James. No. I, the, the 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 rawness and the emotion of of where I am at this moment in time. I can't even think. I can't even think. I couldn't even think about that. No. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've got to be there for, you know, for the people who who have sadly lost their dad. And um, but what I will say is, you've just touched upon Gary Speed there, and obviously, you know, when Chris went in as as the Welsh manager, whoever's going to go into that football club, and it's going to be what a tough decision for the owners. Mm. I mean, they've got to get it right, James. What a tough decision for that for, for, for that group of men and and, and women who are gonna have to mm. make that next decision. It's it's a horrible situation. Now for yourself before we started recording, you have uh, you finished this year at Oxford, Oxford United, and you're thinking of moving to the States. You've got an interesting proposition there. Well yeah, I mean, you know, the States has been a place where we call it a second home. You know, yeah. we've been travelling out there for the last 12, 13 years with our with our children. And we absolutely love America. And it, you know when you stumble across somewhere and you just fall in love with that place? Well, that's happened to us. It's like Chris with, with, with Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> I can see he just hates being down south, doesn't he, Chris? He just needs you know the bright lights I'm of sorry Bolton. i to distract briefly. Do you know who his second club is? <laughs> Have a guess. Higher or lower? <laughs> You'll have a job guessing. <laughs> I can't guess. Is, is it Rotherham or Doncaster? Doncaster Rovers, yeah. Really? God, it's like, it's like, he's a like masochist. Really anyway, put on, himself <laughs> through it. <laughs> At the time, there was a big difference. One was in the Premier League, one was in the Conference. Now they're in the same division. So. I don't, <laughs> well, okay, everything levels out. So, but you might be starting with a new club over there. Well, there's this talk of, um, you know, this talk of a proposition that might take place over there. I mean, it's in its infancy at this moment in time. But I'm open, you know. Um, I love football, love being involved in it. And I can't just, I, I can't just have a tag of Sean Derry, the manager. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's me. I love football, James. Yeah, yeah. And... Do I know, like seeing different but do you parts know what? of football. I don't know if you ever saw Sean play. I imagine you did. Yeah, yeah. You, as a fan, you could you got that impression. I love it. It's, it's... You know, you can tell the players who like playing. I think. Yeah. And uh, Dave Price is a mate of mine. He's he, he was with Aberdeen and, and uh, 
He's out, he's out coaching in, in, in Scandinavia. He's still got his tash or has he got rid of that? Pardon? Has he still got his tash or has he, he has got rid of that? He's still got it. He's got it's his right, head on upside down. And um, <laughs> But Priestley said to me once, he said, you know, James, a lot of players don't like playing. It's too much. The pressure is too much. The attention, you know, it's a different thing to when you guys play, you know, your average Sunday league player or whatever. But, you know, it's anyway, listen, it's been great being having you in. Uh, Love being here, yeah. First you. player we've had in. So it's been a different insight for us. And, um, you know, you, it was brilliant when you were at Leeds. And uh, so it's... I imagine you wish you'd had him at Bolton, Chris. Uh, definitely, yes. <laughs> and look, good luck with whatever you do in the States. It might not be. I might end up somewhere else, but who knows? Wherever I end up, it'll, um, I'll enjoy it. Excellent. So look, thanks very much, uh, Chris and Sean Derry. Uh, the latest edition of 442 Magazine is out now. And it not only features... Uh, the various things that we discussed here, the interviews that Chris has done. It also features Andy Mitten's brilliant interview with Maradona. It's actually it's a brilliant story about tracking down Maradona in Mexico. Um, Susie Rack from The Guardian on the Lionesses, which obviously the, the, the Women's World Cup going strong now. Uh, Irvin Welsh uh, and, and his love of Hibs. And the really amazing story of the kidnapping of Alfredo Di Stefano. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter at 442. Are you on Twitter still? I am at the minute, yeah. I only use Twitter when I'm out of work. So I'm, uh, I'm active on Twitter at this moment in time. I'm the opposite. I only use it when I'm in work. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? At Sean P. Derry? Sean P. Derry, yeah. And are you on, Chris? Yes, uh, C. Flanagan, FFT. Excellent. I'm James James Brown. Until next time, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.